0: Floating into the water Find a way to win a couple dollars Weatherman man says it's a cold front coming down Bring it on, I've seen it all by now I can catch some shallow I can catch some deep Open water or the back of the creek The wind and rain to me
1: It's all
0: the same I make a living playing this game And I thank
1: the Lord above Every time I can I get to be a fisherman Hey everybody, welcome back to Gone Outdoor Radio, the award-winning Gone Outdoor Radio on KWSN and Super Halls and KFGO, the mighty 790 in the Fargo-Moorhead area. On this segment, we are going to get an ice fishing report from our good buddy, Mr. Randon Olson, Lockjaw Guide Service, and we're going to be talking about western Minnesota, west central Minnesota, and uh, see how the fish are doing and see how the ice is doing. How you doing, Randon? I'm doing pretty well. Thank you guys for having me. So, Randon, you know, from when I have been out in the last two three weeks, it seems to me that ice conditions are probably, and I'm including lake travel in that, are probably some of the best that we've had in many, many years. What do you think?
0: For our area, yeah, I don't remember too many winters where it's been this nice consistently all winter and uh, you know travel wise you can go anywhere you want we really haven't seen any flush and we've got
1: really good ice it seems like if you have a scoop shovel with you you can drive pretty much anywhere you want on most of our area lakes you might get stuck once you know if you end up plowing into a a drift that you probably should have tried to avoid but it seems to be very good you know you don't necessarily need four-wheelers and sleds to get out and get to those humps, get to those breaks that you're trying to get to. And it's really exciting for our area anglers because, you know, there's not a lot of years like this where you got good ice and you got good travel and you can get out and do it. And then plus the bonus of the nice weather that we've had. I don't think it's really going to affect the fish populations any, having all these extra people out on the lake, but I'm glad that people have been able to get out.
0: You know, and one nice thing with these conditions, like you were talking about, fish kind of getting beat up, is generally what I see this, when we get nice weather like this and and nice ice conditions is people get a lot more spread out. Um, So those small areas, the community holes aren't such a community spot anymore. You know, the lake itself is getting fished instead of just certain areas. Um, So that helps a lot.
1: Brandon, we talked uh, last segment about Minnesota's walleye season. Now, there's still opportunity for folks, but it's, uh, it's on the downslide here. It's not going to be too much longer, and that season's going to close. What do you have for folks who are, or are still out chasing walleyes, and then the flip side of that is what's uh, going on with all the panfish?
0: Walleye-wise, fresh ice is king. You know, um, one of my favorite things in the winter is fresh ice is better than a good spot. And what that kind of means is, you know, just because a good spot looks really good, if people have been beating it up, it might not be that good anymore. Those little inside corners or little tips of the points or little weed beds, the spots that don't look like much, those can be big producers of walleyes this time of year, but you might only get one or two good nights on those spots. And that's just kind of typical midwinter walleye fishing, you know, get on fresh ice and and hit those fish one night and then move to the next.
1: And, Randon, I got to believe during this time of year now, it's really important that you hit those high percentage times.
0: Yeah, you know, taking an underwater camera, is a big part of big tool of mine in the winter to locate those those spot on the spots. You know, if you're going to fish an evening for walleye, get out there an extra hour, maybe hour and a half early, and pick your structure and just really try to drill some holes around it and find that spot on the spot. Um, it'll pay off big time this time of year.
1: You know, randon we've been out with you a couple different times, and you know, and it's the old adage that you need you need to drill a lot of holes. You need to drill a lot of holes and. And when you're out there, you're doing the same thing, whether you're chasing walleyes or panfish, you're drilling a lot of holes. And it seems like part of that is to find the fish, but also part of it is to try and keep it from spooking them once you do find them.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, Panfish especially get to be really spooky. But the kicker of that, what I've found over the last couple of years, is bluegills especially. Not so much crappies, but bluegills are are really curious. Um, They almost remind me of like deer. You know, if you plow a field over with black dirt, the deer got to come in and look at it, you know, the next night. Bluegills are kind of the same where if you get close to them and you drill a hole and drop your camera pretty quickly, those bluegills will come in to see what it was before they leave. Um, So you can use that as a tool to your advantage. You know, if you drill a hole, drop a camera down, give it five minutes before you get up and go find another spot.
1: So speaking of bluegills and crappies, let's let's work on crappies first here. Uh, You know, a lot of people know that you want to check out those basin areas. You know, that's where a lot of the crappies are going to be wintering at. How is that going to change as we get closer to March?
0: So typically we'll get start to get some ice melts coming in, and with the weather we're having, we're starting to see a little bit of that now. Um, and when you get the snow melts and ice melts starting, you get a big influx of oxygen pouring back into the lake. So what that does to a lot of these fish is it raises them up in the water column. So you might be fishing over 20 foot of water, but those crappies and bluegills might only be five to 10 foot down, um, and that's something a lot of people kind of miss. You know, if you're fishing with just a traditional flasher, a lot of times you're just going to see a little blip come through, and those fish will be gone. So you kind of got to be prepared for that and run a few lines up higher.
1: So in crappie or bluegills are the same. Same with that in crappies. A lot of the time, people don't think of bluegills as suspending.
0: Yeah, they're a big, you know, and I don't think a lot of people realize how many bug hatches we get throughout the winter as well. Um, and all those bugs come up to the surface, and they're trapped under that ice. So a lot of those fish come up there to, to find the leftover, so to speak, and it's easy picking.
1: All right, speaking of bugs, um, let's talk about bees for a minute. You know, that's something that I really enjoy, some of you really enjoy, and we've had a lot of discussions about it. Right now, it seems like that tulipy bite is really starting to pick up, and we kind of wonder why more people don't do it. You know, it is so much fun. But, you know, I I think we're looking at, you know, as far as locations, we're looking at finding those deep holes, whether it's anywhere from 40 feet to 80 or 90 feet, depending on the lake. Um, And those fishers seem to be piling in there right now.
0: Yeah, and, and one area, you know, two of these are roamers to begin with they're constantly moving If you ever get a chance to watch them on an underwater camera or through a spear hole or something they're just constantly darting they're kind of the jets of of the fish world Um, but I always like to try to focus on some kind of a smaller flat just adjacent to the holes and my theory on that is the flat is going to have a little bit more bug life than the drop-offs or the edges of those those holes will so I like to focus a little bit more on those flat areas and just kind of let those fish come to me
1: That's a really interesting theory, Randon. Uh, I know that with tulipies, it's a little different presentation or a little different technique than a lot of other ice fishing species that we target. Uh, Share with our listeners just a little bit about what that's all about.
0: Most everybody does some kind of a flasher system. Um, And there's a couple different ways to do that. You know, The older school way was to have a big salmon flasher on one rod and then a small tungsten and a waxy on the other rod and you rip the flasher. When the fish come in, you drop that rod, pick up your tungsten, and catch a fish. Um, the other way, which is probably a little more popular now, is the dropper rig, which is essentially like a some kind of a spoon with a dropper line anywhere from five inches to two foot with that small tungsten on there, and then your waxes on that. And that kind of delivers it all in one presentation.
1: Yeah, and, and it's so much fun. Like you said, those fish are darting around uh, so much that, you know, they're, they're like a rainbow trout. They're very similar to a rainbow trout. You know, they can go through all, all depths of the water column. They put up a heck of a fight. They're very slippery and slimy when you catch them. You know, they're just a lot of fun to catch. One of the things that I struggle with, Randon, is tulip fishing. You know, with crappies and sunfish and, and walleyes, if we're not seeing fish, we're going to move around a lot. But with tulabies, if you mark one or two fish, is it better to just sit there because those fish are moving around so much? Is it better to sit, or do you want to keep moving around till you try and find a school?
0: I like to try to pick one hole at a time and fish that one hole each day, and and you'll know within about two hour window if there's a decent amount of fish there or if it's just a few kind of roaming through. Um, but one thing to remember with tulabees or at least for me, they don't seem to really kick it in the gear until about 45 minutes to an hour after sunrise. Um, it seems like that light needs to get through the lake. That sun needs to get in the air a little bit so their eyes can adjust. You know, they're big sight predator fish. Um, if you look at their eyes, they have really big eyes and a really small mouth. So they're using their eyes a lot, and they need that sunlight to, to really kick it in the gear.
1: is Randon Olson, a lockjaw guide service. Randon, thank you very much for the tips for uh the guys that are still getting out on the ice. Hope you have yourself a great day. You too guys, thank you very much. Stick around, we will be back with more gone outdoors after the short break. Open water the back of the creek.